Amen. So tonight, I have something that I've cooked in the oven for a while. <laughs> but really, I, um, we have this type of conference, really, because God has a purpose for every one of you ladies. We don't do a women conference just because we have nothing else to do, right? <laughs> right, Aaron? But you know, as I travel all over the world, you know, I've noticed something that God is rising up, raising up women. For so long, it feels like women have been kind of put aside, uh, being told, you know, you can talk, you can do anything, just be pretty or, you know, and have not, there hasn't been room Thank God, not in this place, or we would not be standing here, right? Um, But there hasn't been any room left for the women to really minister, and for the women to really do what God has called them to do. But I've seen something as I travel, and sometimes when you travel, you can really see what the Holy Spirit is saying, and he's saying the same thing everywhere. And, and I see that God is doing something among the women. And I was in Paris just not long ago. I was in Paris and doing a conference with a man. And um, the, it, 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 that, that guy, Jesus appeared to him. And he was a guy that flowed in the gifts, saw signs and wonders, miracles. But the Lord appeared to him one day and says, I need you to teach, wake up my church and teach them about the return of the Lord. And you're going to have to awaken people because I'm coming. He didn't see very soon. He said, I'm coming very, very, very soon. And that man, he started to teach and show about different things, about according to the word, things that shows the coming of the Lord. And one of the things he said, and don't worry, I'm not teaching on eschatology. But one of the things that he said He said that when you look at all the signs around with Israel and around Israel, and Jesus talked, he said, the generation that see the rebirth of the fig tree, you remember he cursed the fig tree, 70, 80, Jerusalem was no more, all the people of Israel were scattered. But we are the generation that saw the rebirth of that fig tree. And in Luke 21, he he gave a bunch of signs. And so that man started to talk. I heard him, but he said one thing. I'm going somewhere. (laughs) He said something. He said, he said, everything that is happening in Israel and around Israel, not only uh, Israel became a nation, the, the Jewish language came back. Never done before. Uh, uh, The fertility of the land, everything. But listen to what he said. He said, because in Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39, he talks before the return of the Lord, there will be such a great war. People will attack Israel that there will be so many dead people that there will not be enough people to bury the body. And he said, God will send birds as the cleanup crew. And Animal Planet has said that there is right now, they've said that there is 172 species of birds of prey, of vultures, 
and predatory birds that usually migrate and go through Israel, but right now they don't understand because they're looking, they are finding a place to stay in Israel. Where am I going with that? Jesus is coming back very, very, very soon. And the animals already know the time and the season. The animals are already get ready for what's getting to, ready to happen. And, and what does this tell us? That if the animal are already there on site, hello, that means that we don't have a whole lot of time left before the return of, of Jesus. That reminds me, you know, Noah's ark. When Noah built the ark, all the animals started to come. I guarantee you people, that caught their attention. What's going, they didn't understand what's going on, but the animal, animal knew that something was getting ready to happen. Well, something is getting ready to happen. Jesus is coming back really, really, really soon. And if you let me to say it this way, it's like we are at the last, the two minute marks. Have you ever watched a football game? Ladies, has your husband forced you to watch a football game with him? I've started to learn a few little things. And you notice that at the two-minute mark, people, they don't just pick up little flowers in the field or kind of go like this. No, everybody is at its place. They know what they ought to do, where they ought to be. Everybody is on the attention. I mean, everybody is ready for, the, it's the last, but you know what I mean? What am I saying is right now, you and I, we are on the two-minute mark. I mean, things are wrapping up so fast and so rapidly. That means that's the reason why God is preparing us ladies. What before were not allowed and there was no room. God is raising up an army of women. And I love it. In, 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 oh, in Psalm 68, verse 11. I don't like because in the New King James, it doesn't read it right. <laughs> but I like to read in other versions like God's word. But in the complete Jewish Bible, that's a version I like. In the complete Jewish Bible, it says, it said the company of women that announce and preach the good news are a great army. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. You and I, ladies, we are part of a great army that is God is raising up in the last minute before the return of the Lord because you and I have a job to do. And God is wanting to use us mightily. But, you know, I love what, what Carly just, Carrie, what did I say, Carly? Carrie. This morning, if you'll, I'm, I'm going to kind of build up on what she ministered this morning. And as I was sitting there, worshiping God, who shut that? The Holy Spirit, I don't say I heard an audible voice, but all of a sudden I became aware of something the Spirit wanted to show me. And he said, and he said don't you think that's a coincidence that Carrie Pickett, who is a missionary, and Audrey Mack, who is a missionary, are both right here ministering to this congregation. And I said, what is this? 
And he said, missionary in the Greek means the sent one. And the Holy Ghost said, there is a, right here in this conference, there will be an anointing, a sending anointing. A sending anointing that will be even what Carly sensed in the spirit this morning goes right along. There will be a sending. That doesn't mean that you ladies, you all be called to be missionaries. It doesn't mean that all you ladies might be behind the pulpit. But what it means that you are all can receive something to be sent to what God has called you to do. To be released and sent by the Spirit of God to accomplish exactly that for which you were born to do. In this very last moment and hour. Don't, don't you think a second that is just a mistake or even a coincidence that God chose for you to be born in this time and be right here at this time. You could have been born in 1300. But here you are in 2017. Mm. God is wanting to send you. But before you can go and do what God is calling you to do, whether you are a stay-at-home mom or whether you're in the ministry behind a pulpit teaching or preaching or whether you are a school teacher or whether you're a businesswoman or whether you're a college student or whatever, fill in the blank. God is wanting to send you to do something. And he wants to send you with a purpose to a somebody. There are somebody, your life is linked to theirs. But before you can accomplish that, there are some things that need to be taken care of. There are some things that need to be taken care of. Because some of you, you see, I had a little video I was going to show you. But we can't. But if you go tomorrow, I'm going to put it on my Facebook, Audrey Mack. You go on my Facebook and you watch this video because it's all what God is saying about you. Because what it is, you see, Carrie this morning talked about our identity. And that is the foundation. Uh, uh, Being empowered, you've got to be, know the royal you. Know who you are, your identity, before you can do what God has called you to do. But so many of you here today, you can't because you don't even like yourself. Some of you, you don't like your personality. Ask me how I know. I hated my personality. I wanted to be the sweet, you know. Pause, calm, distinguished, graceful. I mean, I wanted to be like Carrie when I grow up. I love, I watch her and I'm like, she walks. I mean, she's like, so gracious. She smiles all the time. I hate watching myself on video. I'm like, and they have a hard time taking pictures of me because my face does all kind of stuff. I'm all over the place. I wanted to be the sweet and calm and kind of great, you know, graceful kind of person, you know, and that's who I wanted to be. Plus, when I got married to my husband, I got married to 
a family where the southern belle, you know what I'm talking about, the southern belle, the sweet y'all, the sweet little lady y'all. I was like a square peg in a round hole. My personality didn't do well. It kind of clashed. Because I'm like a dynamite thing that's ready to go. My husband said, he said, Audrey, I wanted to wear like, I said, I'm going to wear a skirt with my heels. And my husband says, Audrey, I don't think so. Because you know when you go, he said, I don't, I don't think a skirt would be a good thing. Honey, thank you. I hated my personality. I just wanted to be, it is like, I would see ladies that I was so sweet and calm, always put together, always, and I'd be like, and then I tried to kind of be, but didn't work until the Holy Ghost kind of gave me a little Holy Spirit spanking and says, if I wanted you to be somebody else and be a different way, I would have created you a different way. And then he showed me something. He said, that thing you don't like about yourself, that's why the, de- the devil is attacking. That's why you don't like it. And you know why he's attacking? Because that's a strong point. That's your strength. And I realized that it is. I'm a kind of a strong kind of personality. I don't mince around. I'll tell you, I'm like Carly. I'll tell you the way it is. Don't ask me the truth if you don't want to hear it. <laughs> and you know, you know what I'm talking about? And then I realized that that was exactly God's design for me because of what he called me to do and where he called me to go. There are some of you ladies, you don't like your personality. You've got to stop and say, that is why I don't like it because this is my strong point. That's the thing the devil tries to de- destroy about about me and you've got to learn to appreciate who you are and of course some of us we need the help of the Holy Ghost to kind of round up the angle (laughs) thank God for the fruit of the Holy Spirit because any strength that you take to an extreme will become a weakness you know what I mean and then there are some of you you don't like the way you look you know, you got curly hair, you wish you had long straight hair. You got long straight hair, you wish you had curly hair. I remember, I mean, it's interesting. I grew up being the, the last of five kids, being the tallest in my family. So, and I'd go to school, I'd be the tallest. They always put me with the boys. But all day long, it was, they would call me long-legged bird or giraffe. I mean, they called me every name. My brother would always make fun of me and say, you're so tall, look at you, you're like, like a giraffe. But what did he do to me? Is with time, I started to see myself like a giraffe. And for years and years, I would refuse to put on heels. I always wore flat. Always, I was like, ashamed of my tallness. Is that an English word? Sometimes I invent words, so. I would be ashamed of it. And I would always wear flat, and you know, and you can't. Until one day, 
the Holy Ghost told me something. Because here it is, what am, are we talking about? Finding your identity and being totally free to be who God created you to be. To appreciate who God made you. And so I always saw me as a giraffe. And then one day I was doing a conference and there was a lady, it was a ladies conference and there was a lady, she was a, uh, like a beautician and that was part of the conference. And that lady was beautiful. I mean, she was, but she had like some one more, like, you know, those kind of like carry big heels like this. And I looked at her and my jaw, I'm like that. And I look at her and I'm thinking that lady is beautiful. Look at her, she's beautiful. And, uh, and I'm saying, oh man, look, she wears the heels. She looks beautiful, feminine. And, and then um, I went with a friend to a store. And of course we go to the store and, and on, the, on the front there is like big pair of heels, you know. And, and, and I look at it and my friend says, oh man, you, you should try those shoes. They look really good on you. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, I'm not going to. If I wear those kind of shoes, I'll be like a giraffe. That's what I said. She looked at me and said, really? So we got in the store. I tried a little dress and everything. And, and um, the, the waitress, she said, oh, I've got just a pair of shoes for you. And here she brings those big heels, those shoes with a big heel. And I'm like, no, are you kidding me? If I wear those kind of shoes, I'll be like a giraffe. I'll be like a, like we call a day without end. <laughs> and, and, and she looks at me, she's like, Oh, you wouldn't know. And she said, okay, just humor me. Just put them on. So I put the heels on. I looked and I'm like, I kind of look good. But my heart said, uh-uh, you're like, you're going to be, you never wear them. You'll be like a giraffe. And so I never bought the shoes. The next day we go back to the conference and I see that lady that I looked, that is so beautiful. But that she had little, the little flat shoes. And I'm there talking with her and I'll notice we're the same height. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and he said, you didn't think she looked like the giraffe, did you? She had those heels, she didn't. And he showed me something that my heart would not allow me to wear heels because in my heart, those words had kept me, would forbid me to, to do it. You see, it is not, so what did I do? All of a sudden, I realized that a lie had been spoken to me, and I had believed it. And that lie in my heart would forbid me, forbade me to do some things. And you know what I did the next day? I said, come on, sister, let's go and buy those shoes. <laughs> and I went and I bought me those heels. But you know the funny thing? The first day I wore those heels, I was in my church, which is a really big church and I'm, I'm preaching there and a friend of mine who is part of the staff comes to me and she said gee you really tall today usually it would have devastated me I looked at her I laughed I knew I was free you see some of you and it's not, here it is. It's not about wearing heels, no heels, whatever. It's not about that. It is about being totally free to be who you're supposed to be. To, to appreciate. And you see now, I can appreciate my tallness. Because I know that I can be tall and beautiful. I can be tall and powerful. 
And I don't, I'm no longer ashamed because of a lie. It is about being so secure in God. It being having our identity just to be totally free to be who we're supposed to do. Or some of other, uh, some of you, you don't like yourself and you don't accept yourself because maybe somebody told you you're not good enough, you'll never be good enough, or you don't have enough of this, you're not smart enough or whatever. I've, I've, has somebody ever spoken those kind of words to you? You're too much of this or not enough, not enough. If only you were like your sister. I grew up, like I said, the last of five kids. My older sister, she was like, she knew five languages by heart. She was like the Indiana Jones (laughs) of the family. Then I had my brother. He was a professional soccer player. He was the superstar of the family. And then my, I had my, uh, then my other sister, she was so bright, her IQ was so high, she was the youngest judge, female judge in the country. And then I had another sister, she was the beauty of the family, blonde, blue eyes. And then I was the little last one. <laughs> always too young to understand, always too young to do anything, be quiet, don't talk. And then... I had, a, a, I had a, a teacher that told me, well, I'm going to fail you that class because you're not as smart as your sister. And those words kept me in a cage that would not allow me to do certain things until I met Jesus. You know, and here it is, we've talked about physics, personality, IQ. You know, one time I was in Vietnam, my nose, I hated my nose because a doctor, when I was a kid, a doctor told me, said, oh, look at that pointy nose. You look like the nose of a weasel or a little mouse. And that, so, I mean, those words we don't realize as a kid, I hated my nose and I grew up, I hated my nose. I'd be honest. One time I even thought maybe I'll just have it changed. Don't look at me so holy. (laughs) But then I went to Vietnam and I saw all the ladies were looking at me in the class. And I'm like, what are you looking at? She said, your nose. And I'm like, yeah, I know my nose. She said, no, (gasps) can we have your nose? I'm like, are you kidding me? And I look at their nose. They had those cutest little, you know, Asian nose. And I'm like, can we switch? But I realized that all of that is just lies that have been spoken because beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And I find that what is beautiful to somebody, the other hates it. The devil has been telling you, you're too fat, you're too small, you're too short, you're too tall, you're too this, you're too that, you're not enough that. Even our credential. I never went to college. And sometimes I do conferences with people that have all kinds of letters behind their names. <laughs> you know, not long ago, I, I, did, I did conference with, with some people that were doctor this and doctor that. You know, went to, you know, like Andrew says, to the seminary, cemetery. <laughs> and, you know, 
sometimes it can be intimidating as a woman. Like Carrie was saying, people can look at you or like, I'm doctor this, I've got a this and a that, and I have like five letters behind my name. Who are you? Oh, you're a little lady? You went to where? And then the Holy Ghost spoke to me. He said, Audrey, you've got a BA, you've got a PhD, and you've got a master. I said, I do? He said, yeah, you're born again. You're preaching healing and deliverance. And your master is Jesus. You see, often those things, and sometimes some of you ladies, things, you see, you notice something that every time those invisible gels in which we stay, those things in our heart that will not allow us to be or to do what God is calling us, oftentimes, did you notice, it happens because of words spoken to us when we are a child or through our lives. And those words can just put you, if you believe them, can put you on hold. Or things maybe have happened in your life. Maybe tragedies or things that were done to you. Whether it's abusive words or things done to you. That all of a sudden you feel and you see yourself inadequate, damaged goods. And you're like, how could God ever use? I'm a damaged good. Let me tell you something. God wants to use and can use and wants to use everybody, especially the damaged goods. Have you ever heard of a Japanese art that is called the Kintsuji? You know what the Kintsuji, if just for a minute you think that what has happened to you, what people did or said to you kind of now makes you damaged good and, 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 and unable for God to use? You know what the Japanese have discovered? That when they have a pot, a piece of pottery that is broken, then most of people would take it and throw it in the trash. But they say, no, no, no. Well, they take that pottery and they use glue that they mix with gold or platinum or silver and they glue that pot and put it together. And maestro, could I have that beautiful picture? Look how it turns out. This is a pot that once was ready to be thrown in the trash. But just, it cost maybe $2, I don't know. But once it got into the master's hand, the pottery's hand, now it's got thousands of dollars in value. Because they realize that a pot that is broken is not just any kind of pot. It's a pot that has a history. It's a, and because that pot has a history, it's got a story to tell. And that's exact, exactly what God wants to do. With you. It doesn't matter those words that were spoken to you. Or those things that were done to you. It does not mean that now God cannot do anything. On the contrary. It makes you now. A valor. A a, a peace. In the master's hand that can have such a high value. Because now you have a story to tell. But you see, before you can tell that story, 
And before you can be part of that great army of women, you got to be able to now change that way you see yourself. Because it doesn't matter what people say about you, what they've said. It doesn't really... And let, I'm going to qualify that. It's not the most important or it's not really about what God says about you because what God says about you is eternally doesn't change. But what's really important is what you say about yourself. And what you say about yourself has to agree with what God says about you. you and, and you've got to be able, because you see, we saw those words. That were spoken over you. Those things that were done to you. Have the power. It's a tool in the enemy hand. Just to put you on hold. And to stop you. You, Some of you. You are doing some things. You're feeling rejecting. And you're always in those situations. Where you are being rejected. And people do things to you all the time and you always why people do always things those things to me why do I always they always do things and I feel rejected because your own heart will not allow you to accept love your own heart will not allow you to move on that means that you've got to change that image that is on the inside of you that means that you have got to from now take a quality decision No longer to be a victim, but to become a victor. And you cannot be the two. It's one or the other. And so that means in order to be free and to move on, you're going to change the things on the inside. What you, that, that inside me, that image that you have. Why? Because that image on the inside of you will dictate what you do and don't do. I mean, you know the scripture, you've heard it, Proverbs 23, verse 7. As a man or a woman thinks in her heart, so is she, or so does she. You see, what you do is really a result of who you are on the inside, of how you see yourself on the inside. You know, you're not long ago. You know, that, that means that you're going to have to make a decision from tonight. You're going to have to make a decision to allow the Holy Spirit to do in your heart. First, to realize the lies, to expose the lies. And then to choose to forgive the people. Because those words that were spoken to you and about you, the Bible says they are like a weapon formed against you. In Isaiah 54 verse 17, it says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. You must condemn those words. So that means that you have to come to that crossroad where you expose the lie. You realize that, yes, I did believe the lie. I have a role to play. I accept. You have to take responsibility. You see, nobody else forced me to believe that I was like a giraffe. Nobody forced me to believe that I was never good enough. Nobody forced me to believe that I couldn't do this or couldn't do that. I believed it. 
But the day the Holy Spirit started to expose one lie after another lie after another lie. So I could be free to be myself. And I'm not, I'm, I like, I can be so free that I am goofy. <laughs> I don't care. I can be a fool for Jesus and I really don't care. <laughs> to be totally free. And that's what it's all about. That means that we, we, we see the lies, we expose them, and then we condemn those lies. We say, no more. I draw the line in the sand, and I will not let that lie. I condemn it. I will not let that lie dictate what I can and cannot do. And then you have to forgive those people. Because if you don't forgive those who spoke those words, those people that did things to you, that unforgiveness will grow roots in your heart. And the Bible says as many will be defiled. And we, somebody talked about a crusted heart this morning. It hardens your heart. And you know, I love it. It's like people who refuse to forgive. It's really like, I'm going to make somebody that the other person pay. Like I was in Quebec just a few days ago, and a young woman wanted to receive the Holy Spirit. She couldn't, and, 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 I, and I said, what's going on? And the Holy Spirit said, there is unforgiveness in her heart, and she cannot receive. God wants her to be filled, but she, her heart condemned her, and her heart would not allow her to receive. But she didn't want to forgive. She said, I can't forgive my father. And so I had to speak to her, and I said, it's like you drinking poison, and you, you expect your dad to die. That poison is killing you. So you've got to uh, take responsibility, expose the lie, condemn the lie, forgive the person, and then you're going to have to change that image on the inside of you. Because you see, from the beginning of time, that is the strategy of the devil, to steal your identity. Not long ago, three nights in a row, God gave me a dream. Three different dreams, but it all had the same, and the, the same kind of meaning. The first dream, I was losing my passport and my papers. And I was wanting to travel, and I couldn't find all my papers. The second dream, I had lost my purse with everything, my money, my value, everything in it. And the third dream, I was at the airport with my luggage, and all of a sudden, somebody came and took my luggage and ran. And I'm running, I'm like, I can't go, to, I can't take the plane, I don't know where, where's my luggage. And I, I had lost my way. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what does this all mean? Give me understanding. And this is what I sense the Holy Spirit was telling me. He said, when you lose your eye, this is what the, he was warning me. He said, I want to warn you that the devil is trying to steal your identity. He's trying to steal your identity. And if he can steal your identity, he will steal your inheritance. And if he steal your identity and your inheritance, you will lose your way. You will, you will not fulfill your purpose. He will steal your purpose and your destiny. That is what the enemy is trying to do in every one of our lives. And if you think, oh, no, I know who I am, I'm not, uh-uh. That's exactly at this time where the devil is trying to, I, I travel and I hear people telling me. And through, you know, that that's the very thing the devil, that's what he tried to do in the Garden of Eden. He persuaded two people who were perfect in God's image, who had everything, nothing lacking. 
I mean, you're talking about perfection. He persuaded them that they were not like God. They needed something else. And then that's what he did with Jesus. If you are the son of God, isn't that a coincidence? And that's exactly what the devil is trying to do to steal your identity, to steal my identity. Because if he steals our identity because of lies that we believe, we lose our inheritance, we lose our destiny, we lose our purpose, and we lose our way. Some of you, you know, you don't really know where to go, what God is telling you to do. you kind of like a little, you're kind of lost. You're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, what God has called me to do. Could it be maybe it's because you've lost your eye and you don't really know who you are? And here is the key. Because you're going to have to rebuild or to regain or recover that identity. You know, I always say it's like when you're in the mall and you're lost. Have you ever lost your way in a mall? (laughs) You know what you do? You find one of those big boards with a map of the mall. And what do you have to find? You are here. And when you find you are here, then you know where to go. You see, for you and I, once we know where we are, we are in Christ and Christ is in us. When we find where we are, we can find our way and know what God has called us to do. And that means that you and I are going to have to regain. We're going to have to know that we know who we are in Christ. But how to replace that false identity? Those images about yourself, the you that you don't like, whether it's physics, personality, intelligence, talents, etc., etc., the things you don't like about yourself, you cannot accept about yourself, these are the things the devil wants to attack because it's part of your identity in Christ. You see, you don't cease to be yourself when you're in Christ. You learn to be yourself in Christ. And the world needs to see you, your personality, who you are, but in Christ and Christ in you. But how you regain that identity, how you replace that false identity, that is the good question. And so many times, you see, that's where we try to go and fix ourselves on our, you know, trying to change our little imperfection or try to, you know, we focus on ourselves. So this message is, and it's going to sound like a paradox and like of really like, but in order to change your identity, you're going to have to stop looking at yourself. And that's what it's about. To regain that identity and to know your identity, who you are in Christ, you're going to have to learn to, to do something. Amen. And in the Bible, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul reveals to us that all of us, we are a spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body, Right? And we all know that the word says, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that we are all a new creation in Christ, right? Hallelujah. But what people oftentimes don't know is that it's that soul part of us that gets in the way. 
We are spirit, but we have a soul and we live in a body. And it's that soul, that part of us that has been injured, that has been bruised. It's in that soul where you have and you form that image of who you are, the inside you. And that's that image you're going to have to change. And how are you going to have and be able to change that image on the inside of you? Amen. So I love what Psalm 23, Psalm 23 verse 2 and 3 says, He leads me beside the still waters to restore my soul. You see, to restore your soul, that part of you that is, you know, the, Jesus says, I come to heal the brokenhearted. It means that there's been a fracture in your heart. There's been a loss of identity in your heart. Uh, there, there, there's been a bruise and a fracture in your heart. But to restore your soul, you know, God is not going to use electroshock. No, he brings you by the still waters. And I love what you sing, the healing waters. And I love in Psalm, in Psalm 19 verse 7, he says, It's the law of the Lord who is perfect that converts the soul. And here the word convert and restore, it's really the same word in Hebrew. It's the word shub, S-H-O-O-B. And it means to bring back to original condition. And God not only can do that, but he wants to do that. He wants to restore your soul. He wants to bring it back to its original condition. And what I'm about to show you here and this message, I was in Paris not long ago and I had a man who had been in a psychiatric hospital for one year. You're talking about his soul being completely messed up? One year in a psychiatric hospital and he heard somebody gave him a message of mine about pretty much how to Renew your soul and restore your soul. And after that guy got totally healed. Because sometimes people said, he said, yeah, the word, you can get healed physically. But how about those bipolar thing and the soul and this and that? The word of God is perfect. It restores the soul. It converts the soul and brings it back to its original condition. And it doesn't do it in a harsh way, electroshock. No, it does it gently, nicely. And I want to show you something. You're like, and I tell you, no, this is not a glass of wine. (laughs) Carrie asked me, she said, you're the first preacher that preached with a glass of wine on her table. (laughs) No. You see, the problem, the Bible, you know, that's exactly, the Bible says in in Jack, in James, my French came out. Because James in French is Jack. <laughs> James one twenty one, it says, accept the implanted word of God, which is able to save your soul. Of course, you understand it's not talking about your spirit. Your spirit is saved. It's talking again about your soul that needs to be restored. And he tells us to accept, to, to, to accept the word that it said, get rid of all filthiness 
and all the overflow of wickedness that is in your soul, except the implanted word of God that is able to save, to restore, to convert your soul. That's what Romans 12 verse 2 tells us. It says, you will know what is the perfect, good, acceptable will of God. How? You won't be conformed to the world, but you'll be renewed. You'll be transformed by the renewing, renewing of your mind. Some of you don't disconnect. I sense some of you, I'm like, la, 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 la. We've heard it. We've heard it, but do we do it? You see, sometimes we want some new revelation when we don't do the simple, basic things that are able to save our life and restore our identity to its original condition. And the word Paul says, if you, the word of God will renew your mind and transform you. And that transformation comes on the inside. And you know the word transformation is metamorphosis, which is the process of a, 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 a worm that goes in a cocoon. And then on the inside, something happens, right? And, 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 a, and a worm, a caterpillar that is ugly repugnant that just crawl on the ground comes out of the cocoon a beautiful being that flies that has no limit that everybody looks at and said oh look at the butterfly you never hear somebody says oh look at the ugly caterpillar Look at a butterfly. But how did that happen? How did that transformation, that metamorphosis, how did that man who was one year in psychiatric hospital got out and got released, totally healed? How? By the renewing of, of his mind, by getting rid of all that filthiness. That overflow of wickedness. Because here it is. Some of your soul, ladies, look like this. Can you see filthiness? Overflow of wickedness. What is it? It's all through the years. You see, when you were a baby, your soul was like a brand new computer that got out of the factory. But through the years, what happened? People spoke things. You heard things. You were taught other things. You watched things on TV. What you saw, what you heard, what was spoken over you started to fill your soul. And it became like this. From being pure. And like all of a sudden it became filthy. But listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy 4.15. It says, and I'm going to read it to you. Give yourself entirely to the word or to the doctrine that progress may be evident to all. You see some of you ladies, you have an identity problem. Your heart will not allow you to be and to do, to be free. Your heart, it's not even you consciously that choose, oh, I'm not going to do this, or I'm not. It's your heart that will put limits and will not allow you to be and to do. But in order for that soul to, to, to 
allow you to do what God wants you to do and to be what God wants you to be, you've got to bring it back to its original condition. But some of you, you go to church once in a while, maybe every Sunday morning, you do your good little duty and you put a little word. Put a little word. I don't know if the camera can get this. Put it, and I mean, it's like, my life doesn't change. I don't know why it's not working. I don't know why I'm not getting blessed. I don't know why because, you know, I, I, the doors are not opening for me. I don't know why. And you wonder why? Because you're just getting a little word here and there. But here it is. Paul said, he said, you're going to have to change the inside, your, your soul, to convert your soul, to restore your soul, to bring it back to its original condition, to restore your identity because you are royalty. You are a daughter, a daughter of the king. And to come back to know who you are in Christ, you're going to have to give yourself entirely to the word. That mean, and that thank God for this Bible college. That all oh, four hours a day, every day. And what happens? It purifies your soul. It cleans your soul. Oh, hallelujah. To bring it back to its original condition. And you notice, and, and, and it, when your soul gets restored, when you regain your identity, you're going to look back and it's not, like I said, electroshock. <laughs> no, it is a gentle process. Uh, uh, Andrew has a book, Effortless Change. And that's what happened. But you said, Okay, I'm going to renew the word with, uh, you know, my mind with the word. I'm going to renew my soul with the word. But what do, you know, if, if you're going to look at Leviticus and study Leviticus, you probably not really quickly find out your identity. Let's be real. That is why the epistle of Paul are so powerful. You can read Ephesians who you are in Christ, Colossians, who Christ is in you, and all the Pauline epistle, because what it is, it tells you and it shows you who you are in Christ. It reveals to you your true identity, your inheritance in Christ, and what you can do in Christ. That is what you've got to look at. Can I have two friends that help me, Stacy, Tracy, Tracy and Carrie? You see? You're going to have to start looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. And so here we have Tracy, she's our spirit. I am the soul. And what is the soul? Your mind, will, emotions, your conscience. That's who you are. That's your soul, your personality. And then you live in a body. And if you, amen, she's royalty. But you see, if you constantly look at yourself and look at who, who you are and examine yourself and, you know, dis- dissect yourself and you, your mind is always on yourself. Mm. That's what we call a carnal mind. Mm-hmm. 
Andrew calls it a meathead. What will happen? I mean, two against one. You're always going to be led by your emotion, led by your flesh. You're always going to fight and always going to. But if you, if you start renewing your mind and looking at Christ. Oh, Christ is here. You see? I know. You got the drift. If you look at your body. Okay. But if you look at your spirit, looking on Jesus, looking at Jesus, who Jesus is, who, what Jesus did, uh, you know, because you are in Christ, Christ is in you. And if you have your mind looking at the, 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 the Jesus in the epistles, in the gospel, and you study that, you're going to discover who you are. And, and, and without even realizing it, you're going to regain. You're going to know who you are. You're going to replace those lies, those limits. You're going to replace all of that with the, your new identity in Christ. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you see, some of you, I know you, ladies. I know you. You are looking at the word, looking at Jesus. The author and the finisher of your faith. You're looking at the gospel or looking at the epistle. And you're looking at like, oh, one day I'll be like this. One day I'll be holy. One day I'll be great. One day I'll be powerful. But you know what James also tells us? He says you've got to approach the word like a mirror. You've got to approach the word like a mirror. Let me ask you this. When you look at yourself in the mirror, what do you see? Mirror, mirror, who is the fairest of all? Is the mirror going to tell you what you used to look like when you were five years old? Is the mirror going to tell you what you look like when you are 85, 90 years old? What does the mirror tell you? The present. And the mirror doesn't lie. Some of us wish it did, but it doesn't. (laughs) And the mirror has two purposes. The mirror does two things. The first thing the mirror does, it reflects. It, It shows you. It reflects you. And James says, approach the word of God like a mirror. And when you look at the mirror of the word and you look at Jesus, it gives you a reflection. That's who I am. And that's who I am now. Not tomorrow. Not when I graduate from Karis. No, not when, when I do everything right. It's who I am now. And you know what the mirror also does? The mirror, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can read the scripture. And all of a sudden, a scripture will jump off the page. What is this? The mirror is showing you something that needs to be changed. Example, every one of you this morning, when you got out of bed, maybe you look like this. I told you I'm not afraid to look like a fool. That's how secure I am. 
You see what the word of God did. You got up in the morning looking like this. And I guarantee all of you this morning went to the mirror. So what did the mirror show you? Something wrong. Something that needs to be changed. What would be the reasonable normal things to do? To fix it. Aren't you glad I looked at the mirror this morning? Well, you see, when you look at the word of God with the help of the Holy Spirit, that's what Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13 says, it is he in you that will cause you both to will and to do. When you approach the word of God, maybe, you know, the Holy Ghost will show you what you're doing or what you are thinking or doing or saying that is not according to your true identity. That's not who you are. Example, maybe you were kind of the exaggerating type. The Bible calls it a lie. Others call it evangelistic. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've always, you know, that's part of your family. I mean, your grandfather exaggerated, a little lie here, a little. It's normal. I mean, and we are in the culture where lying, exaggerating, it's no big deal. And all of a sudden you read the Bible, and the Bible shows you, read, for example, in Acts, Ananias and Sapphira. And you read, and, and what happened? The Holy Ghost all of a sudden shoom, lights it up and shows you, that's not who you are. You're a daughter of a mighty king. You don't need to lie. You don't need to exaggerate the truth. The truth is good. And, and you start all of a sudden, there will be a knowing, a willing, and a power to do it. It's just like somebody, you know, you can try to hammer somebody with a word said, you know, you smoke, ah, stop smoking. And the poor guy is going to, poor lady is going to try on, I'm not supposed to smoke and get into condemnation and get in, never be able to do it. But then she can read the word and all of a sudden, one verse and realize, I'm royalty. I don't need to, to smoke. It's damaging my body. I don't need to do that. And all of a sudden there is a will and a power. That's how you have to approach the word and that's how you're going to change and regain your identity of who you really are in Christ. By giving yourself entirely to the word, looking unto Jesus, who you are in Christ, who Christ is in you. And, there is, and you see here is the key. What you continually look at, that's who you become. You become like what you look at. That's what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, have beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image. The more you look. You see, don't worry about yourself. Don't forget about yourself. That is the key of the message. Forget about yourself and start looking into Jesus. Allow the word of God of who Jesus is. To change you into the same image. And I will conclude with this. There is that principle in the Bible. In the Old Testament. How many of you have heard of Jacob? 
Jacob, hallelujah, felt so in love with Rachel, he was willing to work for seven years, right? For seven years he worked. On that night where he should have had Rachel, he woke up with Leah. And he went, why did you give me the Leah? And he said, well, the oldest has to be married before the youngest. But if you work another seven, you'll get Rachel. Well, after 14 years, that's what love will get you to do. After 14 years, he said, I'm ready to go and do my own thing. But Laban said, no, 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 don't go anywhere. He said, if you work for me another seven years, I'll pay you. And he said, and name your price. So Jacob said, okay. He said, I like, you know, flock, animals. So, and that's what you have. So all the animals that have stripes, spots, all kind of abnormality, whatever on the fur, that will be my payment. But all the animals that are of one color, Laban, you'll keep. That's yours. And, and this is what we'll do. We'll separate the two flocks. The animals that have spots and all kind of stripes and stuff, my sons will take care of them. And the animals that are of one color, I will take care of them. And we'll put a distance between the two. But you know what Jacob did? He built a wall made out of poplar tree, almond trees, all kind of branches. And he made like a edge. And he, with some kind of a knife, he just put some kind of a, he put some spots, some stripes on the woods. So that that edge looked spots and stripes, all kind of stuff on it. And he put it in front of the trough where the animals came to drink constantly. Every day they came to drink, and what did they see? Spots, stripes. And you know those animals that were of one color? When they gave birth to babies, you know what they gave birth to? Animals with stripes and spots and all kinds. And that's how he became rich. What is the moral of the story? The moral of the story, ladies, is to regain your identity or to know who you are in Christ. You're going to have to stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at yourself and start renewing your mind. Give yourself entirely to the word, but not just any word. Who you are in Christ. There's 130 some scriptures that talks about who you are in Christ, who Christ is in you, what you have, what you can do in Christ. And that is what you've got to set your gaze. Because if that's what you keep on looking at and keep on looking at and keep on fixing your attention on without even realizing, you will be transformed on the inside into the same image. And you will regain, you will All of a sudden, without realizing it, without even trying so hard, you will all of a sudden be so founded on the word, knowing who you are, that the devil will not be able to steal your identity, and you will be able to do what God has called you to do. But... Some of you are going to have to make a decision. 
you're going to have to make a decision. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes tonight. If you are here tonight, and that is good for you also, that is what you are watching by TV or on your computer, you got to ask yourself this question. Did I accept lies? Have I accepted lies that has destroyed my identity, that have stopped me from being who God wants me to be and do what God has called me to do? As your heart, and, 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 and maybe because of words that have been spoken to you or things that have been done to you, there is somebody here even, the Holy Spirit showed me this afternoon that from a young age, you, you, things were done to you by your father and that has totally destroyed your your identity, your value, where you have a hard time accepting the love of God. There is somebody else also, because of a spiritual leader, whether it's a pastor or leader, I don't know, that have, and I don't know in what kind of form, but has abused you. That the person that you looked up to, that you, you were supposed to trust, has totally, you know, destroyed you on the inside. And I'm talking about a religious leader. And so if tonight, you know, you fit the bill in, and then you said, you know, I have kind of, I have a wrong identity of who I am. I have believed lies. I don't really know who I am. If that's your case, I'd like to see your hand. Yeah, I see those hands. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you say, tonight I recognize the lies that I've accepted. And tonight I take responsibility and I realize that I have believed the lie. So tonight you are ready to draw the line in the sand and said, I'm right here. I'm going to make a decision to condemn those lies. I'm going to make a decision to forgive those people. And I'm making a decision to give myself entirely to the word, to look unto Jesus, to forget about myself but to start looking unto Jesus and be so consumed with who Jesus is that I'll see who I am and change my identity. If that's your case and, that's, and you've raised your hand, I would like you now to stand up. Stand up. Hallelujah. If you're there watching, whether it's by TV or on the computer, we're going to say a prayer. We're gonna, it's going to be more than a prayer, really. It's going to be a declaration. It's going to be a, a decision that you're going to make tonight. And you do that also. You, whether you put your hand on your heart or put your hand on the TV or on the computer
But you make that decision also to regain your identity, to discover who you really are, a daughter of the king. You are made in God's image. You are perfect, complete, holy, nothing missing, nothing completely broken. You are royal blood flowing in your veins. And you're going to have to regain. Just close your eyes. Just repeat after me. And you pray from your heart. Father God, I recognize that I do not know who I truly am. I have believed lies. I have accepted lies. And tonight, I choose to renounce those lies, to condemn those lies in the name of Jesus, to expose those lies and to go against those lies. I will renew my mind and set my gaze no longer on myself, but on Jesus, because that's who I am. That's what I look like. That's who God called me to be. I accept that new identity tonight, but I make a decision. To give myself entirely to the word and to the truth. So that I may be all that God wants me to be. That I may do what God has called me to do. Father, I thank you. It is you in me. That is calling me, causing me to will and to do. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your power inside of me. Thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit inside of me. That will transform me. That will work in me to show me who I am. That tonight, I am no longer a victim of those words, of those lies, and those things done to me. Tonight, I am a victor. I am powerful. I am beautiful. I am royalty. I am loved. I am accepted. I am am a success. success. Ready to happen. happen. And I thank you, Father. I I choose to forgive forgive those persons. persons. And I ask you, Father, to bless them. In Jesus' name. name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.